get ready to rock out with your talk out. It's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Once again, we are back at you with another exciting, informative, music-related conversation. Yeah, yeah, I like it. We Ludini Rock and Roll Circus is your one-stop shop for mm-hmm. music edutainment. Edutainment, you say? Edutainment. That's ludicrous. (laughs) Why don't you ask me about it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Heavens to Betsy. Before we started recording, we were talking about people that use, you know, say say ask, say axe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Axe. You know, ask me. No, don't ask me. Ask me. I don't want to get the axe. (laughs) I live in Pixel. Exactly. No, you live in Pittsburgh, not Pittsburgh. Well, pick me up in Pittsburgh. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Today. Go to LudiniRockandRollCircus.com for all kind of cool Ludini-related things, including... Exactly. That summed it up right there. Exactly. Uh, Very good. All Ludini-related stuff, including uh, past uh, episodes, including uh, our interview archive, our YouTube archive. There's merchandise there, access to our inner circle group where we uh, post a lively uh, and interesting topics daily where folks interact and we have a good time. Find out more at LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com, uh, RockRageRadio.com. Go there, download the free app. Many of you are listening on Rock Rage Radio as we speak, Hello. spread the word. Let, let your friends yeah. and family know that Rock Rage Radio is really awesome and uh, that they should definitely check it out. It's great music-related programming 24-7 just like this. And Wolfscustoms.online is how you go and get amazing custom artwork done on your musical instrument. We know that uh, you know a lot of folks that hang out with us are into music and play music. Mm-hmm. So check them out. Find Chris Underwolf Dotson on so- social media, uh, Wolf's Customs on social media, and uh, check out some of the amazing work that they do. I think you'll be impressed. Tell him Ludini sent you. Um, Mr. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Not Mr. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Mr. Pittsburgh. A new is, name. <laughs> is oh in the house gosh. today. What's, yes. going, what's going on, Mr. Pittsburgh? Hello, everybody. I'm just calling you Mr. Pittsburgh. No, oh, I'm so sorry. Great. See what I've started? <sighs> Let me ask you something. <laughs> A question. The question is this. <laughs> question. <laughs> So, um, I usually this this part of the podcast we talk about our week, and I usually say, well, "I haven't really done anything." I'm going to surprise you. Are you ready for this shit? I did some stuff. I did some stuff what this week. What kind of stuff did you do? So, three years ago, no. So, my daughter um, and I are, are very close. She loves the same kind of music I do. And so she got tickets to see Matchbox 23 years ago, and then COVID hit. And they had to cancel, they had to keep rescheduling, canceling, whatever. <clears throat> so about a week ago, she sends me a text. She goes, Matchbox 20 is finally coming this Friday. I'm like, far out. I'm going to get, you know, I'll get off work early. We'll go out to Star Lake. 
For all you in Pittsburgh's out there, Star Lake, we went to Star Lake. And I'm going to tell you what, it's been, no, I've seen live music in the last couple of years, but it's just been like bar bands and some have been very good and, and some have not been very good. And uh, I'll tell you, this, uh, so I was in the kitchen cooking one night and our uh, head chef went out to get something in the restaurant. She came back and she goes, it was an 80s band. And uh, she goes, oh my God, Vince Neil is the lead singer for this band. I'm like, wait, 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 are you talking <laughs> young Vince Neil or old? And she goes, old. I'm like, I got to see this. I went out. There's this guy, heavy set fella, the stringy blonde hair, bandana, and I shit you not, he's sitting on a bar stool singing into the mic. I'm like, yep. That's old Vince Neil, <laughs> but anyway. So we we old Vince. That's yeah. So that's kind of the shit I've been watching uh, at the bar, right where I work. <clears throat> but to actually go out and see a professional band, like a real national touring act, like Matchbox Twenty, it was fantastic. Lou, let me tell you what an idiot I am. The opening act was Matt Nathanson. Have you ever heard of Matt Nathanson? No. So here's how I know Matt's. There's a video on Your YouTube. Your Facebook friends. Your TikTok friends. We are now. Oh. Anyway, there's a video, and it's a, it's basically a bar band, and um, the video starts, and he goes, hey, we want to bring one of our friends up to sing a song, and so we're going to bring him up now, and just as a goof, he starts playing the opening chords that you shook me all night long. Well, the crowd starts singing it. Okay. So he gets this surprised look on his face, and he kind of continues to play it, and the band, the 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 crowd continues to sing. You you shook me all night long. The rest of the band joins in, plays the entire song through, right, including the lead, which I, I was amazed the guitarist knew the lead. And like afterwards, he goes, "That was that was amazing." He goes, "Here's the thing. That's not the song we were going to do, right?" <laughs> so that's a. But it was such a spontaneous thing. So that's how I know Matt. Well, anyway, so we're there, and uh, okay, the music, you know, you know, the background music stops. Oh, I can see the band. We're pretty far away. We're in the the hill there, and I can see the band come out, and the singer comes up, and even though I can see the like the jumbotron things, right. And I'm just kind of giving it a glance, and I'm looking down on the stage, and the guy comes up to the stage, and he's like, Hi, I'm Jacob Dillon, we're the Wallflowers, and this is our hit, One Headlight. I'm like, Oh my God, I never thought I'd see the Wallflowers. So you didn't know the Wallflowers were opening. Right, I'm excited. I'm like, that is fucking... So they start playing a completely different song, and I look again at the monitor, and I'm like, you know, Jacob's gained some weight. And then it dawned on me. And I looked over to the guy that came along with us, and I'm like, you know something? And he's like, what? And I'm like, I don't think this is the Wallflowers at all. <laughs> I'm like, I think Matt just lied to us, right? So that was the ongoing joke all night long. I was like, wow, the Wallflowers sound great tonight. So that was his shtick, was to pretend like he was the, That he was, yeah. But yeah. he didn't play any Wallflowers. He didn't. That would have been awesome if he did. <clears throat> but anyway, so they, they were very good warm-up band but then matchbox 20 was fucking spot on they were tight and it's one of those bands where like you don't realize you know all you know most of their songs like they just launch into a song i'm like oh i remember this song launching i'm like oh man but it was it was really good show man and it did my heart so much good my soul it fed my soul so i finally got out saw some live music you and i are going to go see somebody in november which i'm very excited about and that would be orianthe and uh is it james jared nichols oh or, i thought it was i thought we were going to see the uh 
Servant and Res Band concert. But no, that's 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 in September. <laughs> that would be fun to see. Anyway. But anyway, so yeah, I got to do that. I actually got to do that. Uh, another thing, now you always talk about the, the films you watch and the documentaries you watch, and I actually watched one that was very interesting. Uh, for those that don't know it, I used to work in the medical profession, used to be a nuclear medicine technologist, so I know quite a bit about the nuclear scene. And there is nuclear, a. Nuclear, dude, let's go, uh, nuclear, man! By the way, by the way, listen to me, folks. Listen to me very good. It's nuclear, not <laughs> nuclear. George Bush, and God forbid, how did he pronounce it? Uh, because I thought it was nuclear. It New is nuclear. Yeah, that's it. Nuclear. Uh, nuclear. Said nuclear. It's nuclear. Plus New, nuclear. N u c l. See now you're really nuclear. throwing me off. Nuclear. Nuclear. Nuclear is how Jimmy nuclear. Carter used. Nuclear, nuclear. is how well, Jimmy, well, Carter. Well, 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 Jimmy Carter. Jimmy we'll Carter. Nuclear. Who was a nuclear physicist in the Navy calls it nuclear. But anyway. The, the, the documentary was Meltdown, and it was all about Three Mile Island. Now, if you're from Pennsylvania, if you're old enough, you, you probably remember Three Mile Island and the accident. And I remember living through it and watching the news every night for days and weeks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not that bad. Lou, this documentary shows it was that bad. They were 30 minutes away from a complete, what they call China Syndrome meltdown, which would have contaminated all of... Uh, 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 Eastern Pennsylvania, and killed millions of people. And I'm like, wow, did not know that. So that was that was actually very cool to watch that documentary. And knowing what I know about radiation, radiation safety, I'm like, wow, wow. So fun. I got one more thing for oh, you. Oh Lord Jesus. I, I now Lou. You and I are very good friends. You're a very intelligent man, and that's why I hang out with you. But every now and again, I bump into friends that, well, they're not that smart. Bumped into a friend the other day, and he goes, hey, you're a guitarist. I'm like, thanks for noticing. Yes, yes. He goes, I'm going to get me a Les Paul Gibson. I'm like, oh, are you going to drive it home in your Mustang Ford? I'm like, what? <laughs> who calls it a Les Paul Gibson? I'm like, well, this idiot, right? He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, you know, it's on clearance. I'm going to get it for $39.95. And I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> listen, they're expensive, but on clearance, you're going to pay $3,995. He's like, oh, no. He goes, $39.95. <laughs> okay. I'm like, excuse so me. So he's going to buy like a little statue. Well, that's how I'm like, no, you know. no, no, you're not. He goes, no, no, no. Listen, there's a there's a music store that's going out of business. They have to get rid of their inventory. I'm like, nah, dude. I've seen the same thing on Facebook or TikTok or whatever. No. He goes, no, no, really. I said, you know what, bro? Get it. No, bro, 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 bro. No, bro, bro, no, bro, bro, bro. I told him to get it because I want to see it. And, and I looked at the other guy that was hanging out with us and I said, you know, it's going to be something that's like four inches tall, a little miniature, or better yet, it's going to be full size, but it's going to be a cardboard cutout. <sighs> 39. Won't you shit when he shows up with a fucking like classic with like a beautiful car top? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, you paid $39.95? Yeah. I'll give you $75 for it. <laughs> I noticed a couple of things because I peruse uh, marketplace and stuff. There are some Gibsons now. Granted, they're studios. I've seen two or three now that are going for like six hundred dollars, and I immediately click on them. And so I'm like, "Is this Chinese? What is this?" What, what number one? Why would you do a Gibson of a studio? You'd want something more high end. And I think people are like just 
now they're starting to get rid of the guitars because they don't play them and stuff like that. So I'll, we'll see. Once I'm done <laughs> repairing my automobile, <laughs> um, um, let me know saving. if you need help with that. Um, but um, uh, Phil Knight just did a podcast this week. I, I listened to where it's like the guitar market is soft. Yeah. Like get ready. He said there are deals to be had, and he said, and also just because you see something priced, mm-hmm. make make offers. Don't be yeah. afraid oh, to yeah, make yeah, low yeah. offers because yeah. he says he just bought a Collings, which is an extremely mm-hmm. expensive, mm-hmm. Um, handmade guitar. <clears throat> And he said the he's wanted one for he well he's wanted another one he's he yeah. did buy one before he's wanted another one for many many years but it's just been so cost prohibitive because it's so expensive couldn't justify it but he saw it and it was a good price so he thought well I wonder how low I can go he says so he sent this gave his guy a super low offer and the guy's like okay nice and um, so right now there is a if you're looking to buy something you're in a position to buy like this is a good time for you yeah this is what i've been waiting for for like three years <laughs> I, I i think yeah. you're definitely gonna see yeah. um i mean you definitely i i saw even with this guitar here mm-hmm. like you know what i what i got for it the guy did not bat an eye when i gave him um you know price three hundred dollars less than, than what, what he was, he was asking yeah. like he yeah. was just okay okay you know <clears throat> so um there, it's it's just where you just and that happens, right? It goes yeah. up and down. Yeah, and this is you know that's just you know. You just so if you're looking to buy a guitar, guys, this is the pay time to do attention. it. That's it. All right. Speaking of, uh, real quick, before we get into too much stuff, you're speaking of guitar. Uh, there's a great. Um, we do not talk about these folks enough. Grooveyard Records. They are the sort of guitar rock um, record label. Mm-hmm. For so, if you love great guitar. Um, driven rock kind of music big guitar type stuff these this is the this is the uh record label this is what they specialize in <clears throat> and they have some um really talented guitarists on their roster um but they have i just got their newsletter the other day and they're doing their christmas in Ju- in july Ooh. uh special and um so they so they're releasing um uh this, there's some you know they uh, they have all kind of deals and stuff like where you can buy actual albums mm-hmm. which is kind of cool um, so there are six six discs you can get from the following list and the, it's a cool off I love they spell cool with a K available <laughs> starting um, on the 18th and expires on the 23rd okay so some of the people that you can pick for, well first of all Grooveyard Records does their own best of albums oh cool okay. which are kind of kind of cool they're samplers mm-hmm. and record labels used to do this in the old days mm-hmm. you would buy a record label sampler and it would have or sometimes this was really cool I, I bought some records like this in the 90s where I bought the CD and it came with the label sampler CD oh, with nice. it oh nice and yes. you could hear some other acts on, a, on sampler uh-huh. um, so they've got they've got a couple of different samplers of for your choosing um they've got uh, some but some album albums too american mafia rock and roll hit machine uh awesome debut studio uh studio disc uh from hard rock band from new york featuring 12 Mm. tracks martin j uh anderson who is a dynamite guitarist um you should check check this out six string renegade blindstone 
um, a, a, a Rise Above and Blindstone, the seventh cycle of eternity. Blindstone Blues Adelic celebration. Uh, Black uh, Mountain Prophet, Notorious Sinner. Yeah. And uh, Black Mountain Prophet, Tales from the South. <clears throat> uh, Phil Brown, Alive in Seattle. Bullfrog, uh, the album's called Clearwater. Uh, Children of Aegean. Uh, Mythological is the name of the uh, name of the album. Closet Monster '96. What's inside Trixie's closet? That's a great I wonder album title, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave D'Angelo's "The Blues According to Texas Sun." Brett Ellis, who's another really good guitarist. Uh, Reflections of Electrified Music. <clears throat> uh, Redemption at the Mojo Circus. Uh, Earl Rick uh, Ellison, "Dreaming in the House of Blues." Tobin Evan and Neville. Sound it out. Sound it. Simmer down. Sound it out. Evan Voldenson. <laughs> there you uh, go. You right. did it. Yay. Uh, John Finley, Vince Esquire, George Foster. Wow. Four Sticks. This is a cool band. You know, the, they take their name from the Led Zeppelin song. Very cool. Okay. Uh, the Freaky Jones. Yeah. Free Rock Saints. That's a good band. Uh, Jan Gerfast Trio. Gun Gun Power Trio. Hard Drivers. These are all on sale right now. You can pick... Um, uh, I believe let's go back to the I don't want to say the thing wrong but um, six discs of your choice wow and you get cool. you get a cool deal on it so you can find out more by going to Groove Yard Records you know uh, seeing that com. list you know what that reminds I had like a little flashback back in the day um, uh, Lou and I went to a Christian high school we were born in Christians blah 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 and finding contemporary Christian music sometimes was difficult. Right. You know, you'd read about it maybe in uh, Cornerstone or Contemporary Christian Music magazine. But I remember writing away for a list, and it reminded me of that list that you just pulled up online where they had lists of albums. And they had like the, the numbers next to them, and then you know, it was long before the internet, so you would write down the numbers and the price and stuff, and send your little check or money order, yep. mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it, it just brought back some so many memories. And talking about the sampler too, I can remember like different Christian uh, uh, record companies sending out samplers, yep, just little snippets of songs and saying, "Oh, this is uh, Brent Hayward." They were full songs. Oh, really? Oh no, Larry Norman did that on yeah, one yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did that one yeah, one thing. Just like but, little yeah, but, snippets. But I'm I remember like, like cool. I think like Murr Records and different yeah. different ones having like they would give you could get a sampler record. It would have, but yeah, um, like one of each, And I had yeah. I got those lists too. I don't remember where I would uh-huh. get them from. Maybe you would. Um, what's the word I want? Mimeograph. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like <clears throat> yeah. Because I definitely, and I'd be like, give my mom to yeah. my, give my mom to my money, give my money to my mom, yeah, so mom. she would, then she could write a check, yep. and you know, I could get like five yeah. records yeah, or something like so that. Fun. It's kind of a throwback. There's a lot of these things you could like, you'd go to Zondervan's and you couldn't find it. Yeah, you couldn't find the more obscure yeah. stuff yeah. that you liked. Yeah, so that's very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, Christian Groove music Yard was records. really like in its kind of infancy at yeah. that time. I mean. Yeah. You know, at that time, it was still, when somebody said Christian music, people just immediately thought hymns, or they thought gospel. Exactly. Gospel music, you know. Yeah. Very Um, cool. So, yeah. So, yeah. Check out Grooveyard Records when you get a chance. All right. Um, Going uh, in no particular order, I learned this week that Russell Crowe was asked to play Johnny Cash in Cash. Really? And he turned it down because he just felt like, he just felt 
he said Johnny Cash was such an influence on his music that uh-huh. he felt like it would have been cheesy because he's a musician and he'd been right. like, oh, okay, so he's playing Johnny Cash so he can get over, get more, sell more of his own records or something. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. he just didn't, okay. you know. And he says he thought that he said Joaquin did a great job, but he always kind of every time he watches the movie, kind of kicks himself because he was like, I absolutely would have loved to have done it. I just felt that. funny doing it. <clears throat> he's a weird guy. He's got like. Different little hangups about stuff. Sometimes you you know yeah. you yeah. know Russell. There there are some stories about Russell Crowe losing his shit. But I will tell you this: uh, I know people that work in the film industry here in Pittsburgh, and they worked the one the one woman worked on the next three days. Do you remember that one? Okay, okay. Um, and she said he would go, like after the end of shooting, he would go down to the south side and go hang out at the bars, and he was super cool with everybody. But the one story I remember is it was a um, this particular woman was in charge of oh what's the word consistency or continuity she's a continuity, continuity. right so the one day they filmed and the streets were wet because it had been raining so they next day they had to film again but it was dry raining so she, in pittsburgh no I know, weird no the next part's weird the next day it had all dried up yeah that's the weird part so <laughs> she was out there with a hose you know spraying down the street so the continuity looked the same and when she spun around with the hose russell crowe was there and she sprayed him <laughs> when i heard the story i'm like oh because i knew russell's um you know reputation i'm like oh my god what happened and she's like well he kind of laughed you can't get mad at this woman she was absolutely darling and she, he went back to the uh, makeup trailer and everything and wardrobe and changed out of it. And then they went and filmed. But I'm like, you're lucky he didn't take a baseball bat to your head or something. But. Um, that that stuff with him getting angry and everything like that, yeah. uh, from what I understand, was not usually on for things and with people of that. It was usually mm-hmm. other people who we felt... Like we're supposed to be responsible for things, right? And weren't right. being, and yeah. you know. But he has since talked about how he has definitely mellowed. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I do like the guy, and I like that movie. It was a very good movie. I'm glad it was filmed in Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah. Um, awesome. Speaking of movies, let's yes. talk about the bombing of the box office. Oh my. Um, there's. <laughs> They're just like one movie after another, like these multi, yeah. multi gazillion dollar movies that are just tanking. <laughs> fucking just Indiana like fucking Jones can't yeah. break what, even. What happened? What happened? You know, it's. I um, should have brought back Short Round. That's the problem. That's the problem right there. Need he needed short run. Andy's nothing without short run. That's I'm right. sorry. The series has an awesome ending with. Um, the Last Crusade, when they, mm-hmm. they literally Indy rides off into the sunset. Literally, in mm-hmm. the movie. It's how yeah. the movie ends. Yeah. It's perfect. When I left there, I was like, I never needed, not that I wouldn't another, love it, but I yeah. never needed no, another Indiana Jones movie go. again. I sort of felt like they they really, and I loved how they expanded on the ca- character mm-hmm. with his father coming yes, in and yes. we kind of getting, you know. Georgia. <laughs> and, and, and and all of that but word of mouth on this movie is not really good mm. people it had a, a little bit of a spike in the beginning but mm-hmm. a lot of nope. people come back and say nah. nah don't worry about it I'm sorry dude there's a with the exception of um um like one or two movies I don't really want to see somebody like Indiana Jones I don't want to see him like broken down and beaten and right. like yeah. No. 
No, I he's would larger remember, than life. He's yeah. a, he's larger than life. Like the reason we loved Indiana Jones is because he could do all the shit we couldn't do. Exactly. I, if I want to go watch a tired old man, <laughs> like I don't need to. You know, I just see. look in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. Just look in the mirror. Who are you? Right today, I feel like a tired old man. Get off my lawn. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Um, I, I just think it's bad, you know. And and the movie that nobody is is it, well, it's kind of getting <laughs> the, the movie that's succeeding and blowing up is this Sound of Freedom movie, which is a small movie mm-hmm. with like uh, well, Jim Caviezel, I guess is is kind of an A lister, but it's not like a big movie with like there's no yeah. Harrison Ford or anything like that. Um, and it's just they just told a good story. You know, just tell a good fucking story. That's all we care about. That's all we need. I haven't yeah. seen Sound of Freedom. There's some controversy around it. I'm not going to go see it in the in the in the theater, but I will definitely check it out on video. I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. as to mm-hmm. what the uh, the whole the whole thing the whole thing is about. I I'm a sh- I'm sure the people that are politicizing it on both sides of it are full of crap. That it's probably mm-hmm. people are probably liking it probably because it isn't uber political it's probably yeah. just tells a good story just tell me a good story yes we just want to hear a story let's let's see the hero come in and save everybody and you know la, la. that's what we please yes top gun maverick like fucking crush yeah last year crush because it just told a good story yeah they exactly. didn't try to take that character and you know have him you know gain you know 50 pounds and be a drunk and right. you know beat right. up his wife and you know what i mean yeah. like <laughs> Somehow find redemption. Yeah, no, they don't. They just well, told that, a story. Yeah, just tell a good a story. Fun story. Like, they just tell a really good yes. story. Just tell. Just and even if I don't know if he finds redemption or not. But anyways, uh, so that's what's going on with that. Um, so um, I have a, a tale of two cunts. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, uh, Ludini here. I'm interrupting my own podcast. I do that once in a while. I we recorded a segment here about an incident involving Miranda Lambert that happened uh, over the past week or so where some young ladies were taking selfies at her show and she stopped the music, like stopped the song she was singing and scolded these young ladies for taking selfies. The selfies were not interfering with the stage performance they were not they saw like the, the ladies didn't jump up these young ladies did not jump on stage or anything like that and if you know anything about miranda lambert that this is part of her um that this these young ladies this age group this demographic is a large part of her audience it might even be might even just be her audience altogether uh and she embarrassed them really really badly my opinion horrible completely horrible inexcusable nonsense if you don't want people doing that you have a thing out front. You 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 have uh, security collecting everybody's cell phones, or or frisking people before they come in, not to bring them in. Whatever you don't do something like that. Um, it is so and and so I it, the reason I'm interrupting the podcast here is because the original segment that Mr. Pittsburgh and I recorded, Ludini here really was was upset about this, um, and let me explain to you why. I something like this upset me, but when I was so upset that I used a few choice words that after we recorded and I was thinking about later on, I was thinking, and eh, I don't want that to go out to the world. I try not to put out a bunch of negativity or any negativity if I can, but I do just this 
just kind of bugs me and I have to say something about it. So I'm not going to let y'all hear what we said originally about it because it was, you weren't catching Ludini at one of his best moments. So I'm just going to say, I'm going to say it like this. Um, it's so hard to grow an audience and there are so many musicians that would kill to have an audience like Miranda Lambert has to have the success that she has. And she has it because of people like that, because of people like these young ladies who are taking the, the, these harmless selfies. I maybe, maybe you have a bugaboo about it. You know, maybe you could communicate that in a, in, in some kind of better way without embarrassing fans. It has also come to my attention that she's fussy in general and has embarrassed fans for different reasons over things that are even less innocuous, excuse me, or excuse me, more innocuous, uh, than, um, than, than the cell phone thing. So she, has a kind of some pet peeves that she takes out on the fans um so when i hear stuff like this i it gets my goat because being in the entertainment industry man i love my fans i mean you guys are great and if i if we disagree over something we i do my best to do it respectfully and not to embarrass you or call you out or or do anything um like that at all and i just really when i hear stuff like this it just really bugs me because my heart goes out to so many not only myself but so many other independent musicians i one of the people i thought of immediately when this happened was uh there's a young lady who has a youtube channel her name is mary spender and if you don't know who mary spender is i would encourage you to go check out her youtube channel she's a fantastic singer songwriter and i'm going to tell you how she probably i don't know exactly how she would handle something like this but i'm going to tell you how she she wouldn't do she wouldn't scold uh her hardcore fans like that um i think the right way to do sample you see people taking selfies why don't you call them over to break call them up uh, by the stage continue singing the song put your arms around them and take the selfie with them you know that will go around the world you go viral doing stuff like that and all your fans will think how cool and how awesome you were and how chill you are not what a douchebag you are when you've called them out and scolded them and humiliated them in front of thousands of people. Um, there's an article about, you can find there's articles about all over the internet. Pe- people got up, excuse me, um, I'm recording this later and my phone's not on silent and somebody's bothering me. I apologize for that. Um, she did. Um, but you can, if you go and look at the um, uh, the article for yourself, uh, f- there were a lot of fans that got up and left. They had some choice words of their own for Miranda. I just think it's a bad look. It's something that um, I've tried to be working with musicians over the years to try to help them improve um, their marketing and uh, and their presentation. And it's an it's a giant no. No, 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 no. Five no's, 10 no's, 100 no's. Don't do stuff like that. Cringe. And and, and, and then the people said, well, you know, I saw Peter Frampton take somebody's cell phone away. Peter Frampton is wrong. If, if I was at a show and Peter Frampton took my cell phone away, would have to have a conversation or my lawyer would have to get involved or something like that. You know, take my freaking cell phone away. All right. You know, this is 2023 social media, cell phones, people recording your concerts and things like that. Uh, That is a fact of life. You have to learn to roll with that. You have to learn to incorporate that as part of what you 
do. This is not 1995 where you can come in and say, no taping. Well, th- that's over. We-, we don't live in that world anymore. So you can't, th- th- you-, you can't expect people to, who walk, walk, walk around connected 24 seven. They've got a f- freaking phones and, uh, your cameras recording, et cetera, like in their back pocket at all times. You, you just, you just can't, uh, uh, expect that of them. And f- the other thing to say is like, th- you-, you might say, well, they should just be listening to the music. That's the other argument I heard. Well, everybody enjoys the concert in the way in which they want to enjoy the concert. And folks of that age, especially folks of that age group, that's what they do. That's how they're celebrating being there. And guess what? Miranda, you're going to get tons and tons of free promotion from people like that taking pictures. We're at the Miranda, Miranda Lambert concert. Check us out. woo And go with that. Enjoy that. Find a way to leverage that. Get the get the stick out of your butt, Miranda. So that's what I was trying to say there. I got um, a little emotional during this and uh, some words flew around that I wish I, I hadn't said, but I also didn't want to completely just delete that and not... Um, uh and, and and not say what i really felt about it because it's my podcast that's what i do mr pittsburgh is about to tell a really cool story about match matchbox 20 handling a similar situation in the complete opposite way and i want you guys to listen to it because it's really really cool thanks guys and uh mr pittsburgh take it away so let me let me tell you the way it, this popped into my head so i guess the second to the last song of the matchbox 20 uh, Rob Thomas looks down in the audience and somebody is, you know, videotaping them on videotaping. How old am I? <laughs> they're like, they're like filming them on their camera, filming. right? Filming. That's another thing. Filming. And, filming, really filming. Yeah. Right. They're, yeah. They're using their fax machine. <laughs> yeah. No faxing pictures of us. And they're using their beeper. And so he kind of called the person over, took the phone and during the song walked around and videotaped, videotaped. The entire band doing the song, he would switch it over, show the audience, switch it, sing into the phone, and then like go over to the bass player. The bass player would mug it up for that. I'm like, can you imagine if that was your phone, man, and you now have Rob Thomas filming this song on your... That, that's that's what you need to do, Miranda Cunt Blur. <clears throat> exactly. That is bullshit. Uh, no, that's awesome. That is that awesome. was what she so was cool. Now, like, that's, that's really okay, awesome. Okay, so that's a great. I'm glad that you talked about that yeah. because there's compare and contrast. Okay, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the right way to handle that. You have to roll with this. This is the world we live in. The cell phones aren't yeah. going back, going going away nope. ever. No, it's not going. Nope. Okay, like it's like you know, it's like the people that want to stop downloading music. Like it's never going it's away. Go Find away. a way to work yeah, with it. Exactly. Find a way. Find a way. Miranda, get over yourself. You you know your shit does stink. You take a shit like and have to wipe your ass like everybody else does. Yeah, exactly. Um, and speaking of, so I just put these two things together because they shares the be word. Silly. Yeah, uh, Sharon Stone. Um, so I just oh, I um, love um, this. YouTube channel uh-huh. called Landum C goes there, and okay. um, this guy has a really good, really good voice for narration. Okay, he has a. Um, it's not what you would expect. It's a kind of like almost. Uh, he has a little bit of a southern. Uh, maybe a little bit of a southern draw. Maybe mm-hmm. I, it's hard to, ex- to explain. He sounds like an older guy. Okay. Okay. And he talks about classic movies and classic television shows and gives you like interesting little tidbits in like 10 minutes. Okay. So it's like, 
it's just you're super easy to digest mm-hmm. but you come away with a couple of interesting and you go oh i never knew that never and knew that. um there's been many mo- classic movies that i've like i've stopped his video yeah because he was like in the first minute got me really interested. i'm like i've never seen that movie or i haven't seen it in a long time i'm now not gonna, gotta go. I'm gonna come yeah. back uh-huh. you know and then, so and it got me like it's there's been, there's been a, a tons of movies um but uh, i had just recently watched basic instinct so I'm, i don't but he was doing a thing on basic instinct okay and so i wrote Sharon Stone cunts gets her cunt gets her into serious trouble. Um, so everybody knows the scene, right? Yes. With the legs, the leg right. crossing and everything. Yes. And um, so I'm going to get into what happened as a result of that, you know. And and it's very unfortunate. Yeah. But Paul Verhoeven and her had a conversation about this before they filmed it, and it made total sense. They needed to find a way. She's in this room being interrogated by like five guys. Mm-hmm. You know, she's sitting in front of, of all of them, like in the hot seat, literally. Yeah. And, you know, they're all kind of like, you know, stiff mm-hmm. shirt and everything like that. And how does she take control of the situation? She uses her feminine wiles. Oh, I have a, a friend who laughs all the time about how like men are like so easily led around by their dicks you know what yes. i mean just it's just it i'm a man like it I, I, and sure. i'm like and i'm old and it's still i'm like i could very easily be swayed by my dick it's just oh, one exactly, of them yeah it's just it, you know it's, it's how the good lord made us uh-huh. um so she's in this situation how does she get what does she do like how can she kind of like regain her power uh-huh. in this situation well there's one common denominator there and that is she's a woman they're men yes. and she just she's like well, the only thing I can do is press that button yep. press the sex button yes um, and so the, le- the crossing and the uncrossing and the not wearing the underwear and the, and the whole thing and it's, it's really effective and it shot her to superstardom like mm-hmm. after that movie oh she, yeah she everybody knew she things. was yeah yeah she became you know really really famous you know it caused her to lose custody of her child I did that's not the, know that. That's the kind of thing that sickens me. Like oh, I heard a really sake. terrible story today, which I will not relate about a personal friend of mine uh-huh. who's dealing with a situation where uh-huh. somebody's using something uh, about her sexuality. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2023. Now you have to understand yeah. this was in 19. I forget when Basic and Singing 92, four, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. So people were like, the world was way more conservative. There was no internet porn or anything right, like that, right. and. Um, it was very obvious to me when I saw the movie what she was doing. I got it. Like I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, I was young and sure, I understood sure. she was she was turning the table exactly. on, on these guys. Yes. It made total sense. It was it was it wasn't a gratuitous like look at my vagina. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and they used that. And she lost custody of her child. Jeepers creepers. And you know, it, it really hurt her. I, I knew that she did have a breakdown. Wow. Um and um she has there's a uh uh a uh, and I do not know the name of it, but there's a, a great um like spiritual documentary where she talks she isn't the sole focus of it, but mm-hmm. she does talk about her like spiritual sort of you know, journey through through her her life and everything, and, and how she ended yeah. up kind of like finding peace and everything like that. But um, horrible situation. Sharon, go Sharon. I yeah. love you, God and bless. I think that that scene it was it was people just don't they people just, just don't idiots. Get it. People, yeah. Well, I think that, and, and I also, I know I think people got it. I think that pe- the, the court system sometimes 
<laughs> the lawyers that would be very slimy. They mm-hmm. will use any little. Any and this little and this seconds yeah. me because you know so many women have said like, oh my god, I never want to appear nude in mm-hmm. a movie. When even there's times when it would make sense, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and this is why because this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Oh, oh my god but on to the so that's kind of like yeah. a couple like overviews what's of things. been going on uh, what's yeah. been going on um now <clears throat> when i started to look into this topic of rock songs about working yes i gotta say that like while sex drugs party and whatever mm-hmm. with the top three maybe hot cars sure i'm gonna say I, i'm i was impressed i think that songs about work might be f- number four. I would think there so. A There's a lot, lot of song. And you got to understand, like, when you when you write, um, a couple things happen. A, you write what you know. Mm-hmm. And B, you want to write what your audience knows. Exactly. Okay? And we all have the experience of going to work and having to, you know, you know find a way to eat. Um, and a lot of these guys and gals did as well you know and don't get don't be misled a lot of a lot of these bands aren't just like you know they had a big hit and then they sat around and you know you know it, it is work too that's mm-hmm. work as well mm-hmm. um so so it's a universal thing that we all have to deal with is we, exactly, our job yeah. our career what we do to make money so it makes sense when you think about it now that um there would be a lot of songs in a lot of genres. Yes. So I, I peppered it around. I just skipped around genres a little wee bit because okay. some yeah, of the songs yeah. are like really fun and everybody knows them whether they are fans of this particular genre or not. So, um, Mr. Pittsburgh, um, yes. I'm going I'm to start first, actually. If yeah, you don't go mind. ahead, please do. I'm going to start first. I, this is probably my one of my favorite songs about work. All right. I was I I was today years old when I found out that Chris Rea was not American. I thought that he oh. was an American musician. He's not. Chris Rea uh, wrote the song "Working on It," and uh, which is a really um, good song. Have you ever heard? Do you know the song "Working on It"? I'm sure I've heard. Oh uh, well, we have to play but it. Yeah, then. yeah, we do. So, um, you know why? Because we can. <laughs> Oh my god! I know, and I did not. And, and there's tons like working for the weekend mm-hmm. is um, uh, um, a big, you know, a, a, another one. But Chris Rea, spelled R E A, wrote this song, and I just think that this is a really fun song about being on the job. Starts out with this kind of thing at the beginning build up a little slide guitar mm-hmm. oh how I'd love it go just you and me Take the this was not a big hit like pop song right. went to number 70 or something yeah. but WDVE plays this a lot oh, people will call Michelle and want to hear hey this Michelle like, oh, yeah. Yeah. tell you Urgency, the kind that won't wait. I say tomorrow, he 
Easy top kind uh-huh, of riff going uh-huh. on. I got eight little fingers and only two thumbs. Will you leave me in peace while I get the job done? And it's everything. Some you know, if you've ever worked on a job, we've had a supervisor saying, yep, "Come on, dude, we yep. need to." You know, it's, it's got that whole. You know, I've got yeah. eight fingers and two little thumbs. Leave me alone while I get the job done. Right. Um. Right. No, nobody likes micromanagers. No. No. It's like, uh I, I have a business, man. I'm like uber conscious of like mm-hmm. micromanaging like, yeah, i'm like exactly. i don't care how you do it is Just the guy's car done. gonna be good yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> am i gonna make a little bit of money at the end of the day yeah okay good we're that's good all we need. That, that's all that's all i care about i'm all behind you here <laughs> chris ray working on it uh chris ray is a british singer songwriter released his uh 80 in 1989 this is fifth and final single from his compilation album new light through old windows it was written by ray and produced by raya and john kelly working on it reached number 53 in the uk 73 on the billboard hot 100 Song has appeared on the soundtracks of the American adventure comedy film Camp Nowhere and the TV film Beyond the Law. Mm-hmm. And if you live in Pittsburgh, call Michelle tomorrow and, and say, Hey, it. I heard I was listening to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, and uh, can you get some Chris Ray on for the lunch? And she'll be like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, Got it right it, here. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's not like a giant big song, but a, it's a really good working class person person's kind of song uh check out the lyrics when you get a chance uh, okay go. mr pittsburgh what do you got all right so i'm gonna go with a 1981 kind of alternative song your friends and mine devo working in the coal mine you're gonna pull that up there yeah, while you're talking Dad. okay so there have been several versions of working in the coal mine recorded over the years including including lee dorsey's original which was the top 10 hit in 1966 yeah, i know it's not like a doo-wop kind of mm-hmm, thing yeah mm-hmm. devo gave their song their distinctive quirky treatment in 1981 adding synths uh reinterpreting the bass line upping the tempo and generally making the track sound like devo synth that's a tough word. There it is. Actual MTV video, by the way. Yeah. Good there one, you Mr. Go. Pittsburgh. There you go. Good, 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 good one. Uh, fun video from 1982. You can find it, of course, on the tube. There you go. Um, I was really impressed with when I looked up this next one, okay? Yes. I think that in the back of my mind, I knew this, but I didn't know it. Oh. Do you know who... You guys ever heard of Donald Eugene Lytle? The name kind of sounds familiar. Well, you may know him by his stage name, Johnny Paycheck. There you go. That's his, all I know. His, <laughs> ironically, biggest hit song is Take This Job and, and do what Shove with it? it. Take yeah. This job and shove it. There you go. I ain't working here no more. I'm just let the ball to be. 
It's a country song, so mm-hmm. we won't spend too much time. But um, it was written by none other than David Allen Coe. Wow! Yes, David Allen Coe. This is what people don't understand. Like David Allen Coe is like a. He was one of he's one of those guys that like wrote a lot of songs that other people had big hits with. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. John Hyatt, a lot of people. Sure, like that. sure. Um, released in seventy seven, was wow. the first number one country hit of seventy eight. Sang on the top for two weeks in January. Introduced uh, the title phrase into the lexicon, which stuck around so long. There are now people who say that they don't even know that it's a song. Right, right. You know, take you know, yep. and you know, you just you know, I remember at the time, you know, uh, you know, people would win the lottery and they would you know. They would play this song, you know, take this job. Mm-hmm, they're, mm-hmm. they're not going back they're to like, work because oh, they won the lottery, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, it was his biggest hit, uh, but he was pretty well established before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't just, you know, but um, he actually ended up. Um, <laughs> he actually ended up having money problems later on in his life. Oh, jeez. And he and, had to get a job. Yeah. That's and he, just, ironic, he just got, himself, got himself in some trouble and spent a little time in jail. And, um, uh, and he's not going to spend a whole bunch of time on it. You can look it up on, um, I'm looking, just looking at Song song Facts. There's a lot of fun stuff about it. In the 2003 documentary, David, David Allen Coe, live at Billy Bob's Texas Coast, says he wrote this song after saving several boats from burning. Mm. In his story, he'd been living on a boat in Nashville, Tennessee, when uh, with seven so-called wives oh uh, polygamy laws cast some doubt on whether or not they were legal wives or not mm-hmm. one night he and one of his wives were on their way from a movie theater uh, to Johnny Cash's house when Co saw fire on the waterfront he drove down found a found the dock was in flames cut the ropes to several boats and pushed them out into the water the local news uh, wrote a story about Co saving the boats and a short time later he was hanging out at the home of country music hall of fame uh, famer uh, Billy Sherrill and talking about the big fuss they had blown up around the event someone choked that uh joked that co should get a job with the fire department and co cracked man they can take that job and shove it yeah so next thing you know and and there is another song on my countdown here uh that happened that not that exact way but it was a phrase somebody heard yeah and they and they they picked up on do you have somebody something you want to talk about yes yes i see it's on your list too but i'm gonna add it here this is from the holy trinity (laughs) although not the holy trinity it's missing one member it, it was a different member. But anyway, this is 1974 Working Man by the Trinity. I really need to Rush. get um, some uh, glasses, lights in this place. Or in oh yeah, my. I, I can't see anything. So I apologize. Go ahead. That's continue okay. So Rush's salute to the working class spirit helped them break out beyond the native Canada. When Donna Helper, yes, yes, our friend from Cleveland, the music director for Cleveland radio station WMMS, first heard this speaker-rattling rocker, she knew it would resonate with the city's blue-collar demographic. Back then, it was a factory town, she recalled in the 2010 documentary, Beyond the Light of Stage. Everybody needs to see that. The song Working Man, uh, every listener in the audience felt like that. And even though... Uh, singer and bassist Geddy Lee had just barely entered his 20s. He sang every line with the wisdom of a weathered factory lifer. True, true. Great song. Yep. Monster riff, too. Mm -hmm. 
stop the podcast right now and just listen to Rush, but we won't do yeah, that. But we won't Great do it, folks. fucking song. Yes. Great fucking song. Let's, uh, uh, you know what? I'm not going to do two country songs in a row. We're nope, going to move nope, on to okay. something else. Um, this is this is another song that was um, that the rock radio in here in Pittsburgh played the shitload yeah. constantly. Yes. There you go. Of course, we are talking about Blue Collar Man, Long Nights by Styx. Song tells the story of a man who is sick of being mocked for being jobless. He tries to get a job when he's denied. He tries to persuade people into hiring him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Styx guitarist Tommy Shaw wrote this song and sang lead vocals. It's a good example of his songwriting philosophy, which is to write songs people can relate to and exactly, enjoy. Exactly. So working. And at the time, in the 70s, during the Carter years, there was a, uh, mm-hmm. unemployment was, at that time, was at an all-time high. It was over 9%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Short clip of the song was used in the Adam Sandler film Big Daddy. This is one of the uh, this uh, is one of the songs Sticks plays at just about every concert on their 11, 2011 tour. It was their opening number. Uh, Tommy Shaw came up with the guitar riff after a pot fueled deep sea fishing <laughs> trip. He explained to the AV Club that uh, the cab driver gave him some potent weed on the way to the boat, which put them into daze. Uh, when we uh, booked the fishing boat, we said we're gonna we're gonna be party partying. Because we just finished this tour and we're, we have a cooler and drinks and I hope you don't mind if we party. Well, uh, we smoked this pot and by the time we got in the boat, we were paralyzed. Nice. <laughs> we were like stone nice. quiet for the first hour and a half and finally started coming around a little bit and told the boat owner what happened. He's like, I wonder what happened to you guys because you said there was going to be this big party and you, <laughs> and you guys, guys haven't so. said a word <laughs> we're all sitting there in this dazed spot and the po- and the boat was making this you know humming sound mm-hmm. uh, you're moving slowly when you're trolling through the water the engines are really uh, really low RPMs the sound just sort of tattooed itself into my psyche when I got uh, back to the room I got the acoustic guitar and wrote the music to Blue Collar Man that isn't that interesting huh very cool yes so uh, great song uh what do you got mr pittsburgh our next one comes from i'm just looking at your list here but uh this are you is stealing not wow no, no no i just You're i don't want to i don't mr I, pittsburgh stealer steal- <laughs> here go stealers here we go well I, I had to mention even though you had working man by rush i had to mention it too but my next one comes from uh dire straits Dire Straits, and that would be Money for Nothing. No. Yes. No, that's I, I never heard of that yes, song. Yes, fi- it's a fine song. After a top five album and single in 1978, Dire Straits were settling into a career as a respectable art rock band with dedicated fans but little commercial appeal. Then Brother in Arms had its single Money for Nothing happened. Leader Mark Knopfler was inspired to write the song after hearing an appliance store worker complaining about the long-haired rock star seen on the MTV movie uh, videos, rather, being beamed from their store's televisions. Uh, that's about it. But yeah, if you listen to the song, they're basically complaining about having to work while the rock stars don't have to do anything. And uh, the irony is, like, they're being a rock band. There's work involved.
second song on the countdown um, oh, that the has that ZZ Top kind, kind of, of guitar thing yep, going on. Yep. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Interesting. Very I'm going to jump way away from that type of thing. At you the crazy. And we're going to talk about this song. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay, of course, we're talking about uh, She Works Hard for the Money by Donna Summer, the yes. I- I- uh, incomparable Donna Summer, one of my b- major like musical, very made, made a big impression on me as a young person getting into sure. music. She was all over the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, song was based on a true life experience. Uh, after the Grammy Awards in 83, Donna Summer was at a after party at Jason's Restaurant in Hollywood. She went to the bathroom and saw the attendant, Onetta Johnson, mm. taking a nap with a small TV on. Summer startled her from her nap, and Onetta told Donna uh, she works two jobs and was really tired. Summer thought to herself, wow, she really works hard for the money. So just, mm. just also with the three songs in a row now where See? somebody said Boom. something, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yep. no, knowing uh, she had the makings of a hit, she grabbed some toilet paper and started wow. writing her ideas. Later that night, while at home thinking about Onetta, uh, Summer wrote the song in about 20 minutes. The song became a tribute to hardworking women everywhere. Uh, Onetta, some fun facts, uh, is the, the bathroom attendant, uh, appears on the back cover of the album. Oh, interesting. Summer wrote this with Michael O'Marty, and this is there a guy like, yeah. what happened to Michael O'Marty? And like, he was huge. He was majorly yeah. influential producer in the 80s mm-hmm. with Donna Summer, Christopher Cross, Rod Stewart, a lot of mm-hmm, people like mm-hmm. that. Um, but this kind of fun, fun that his name came up as well. Um, big, uh, big hit song. Uh, oh, yeah. Summer yeah. performed the song to the uh, Open Grammy Awards in '84, where it was nominated for Best uh, Female Pop Vocal Performance, but lost the Flash Dance by Irene Cara. I always thought I understood why Flash Dance won. Yeah, you know what I mean because it had the big movie behind it. You know, what I mean? it was filmed in Pittsburgh. You know, it was filmed in Pittsburgh. But made a but I I will always love. She works hard for the money. Yeah, and yeah, uh, definitely. Donna Summer, rest in peace. Um, what do you got, Mr. Pittsburgh? Donna Summer, Summer Don, Simmer Don. Summer Don now. How a name of <laughs> Saturday Night Live. When they did, they Saturday Night Live has some good ones, of course. Yeah, that was very good. Uh, so the next one is from uh, Huey Lewis in the News. And those guys are working for a living. Huey Lewis wrote working for a living while he was doing exactly that. He says, I remember I had the idea for the song way back when I was delivering yogurt. Delivering? Uh, Who gets yogurt delivered? Okay, that's interesting. He said, I had a Natural Foods Express company, and as I was trying to get my band together, I was delivering the yogurt to natural food stores, and that was my vision of it. I'm driving, and I thought, working for a living. The whole thing, um, I wrote the whole thing in one sitting. So there you go, 1982. Again, uh-huh. who can't relate to it? You know, you're like, exactly. job sucks, but I'm taking what they're giving because I'm working for a living. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Uh, all great picks. All great picks. Yes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Ch- I'm gonna change it up again. Okay. We're gonna jump outside of rock. Uh, if you don't mind. <clears throat> no, I don't. Sixteen tons by Tennessee Ernie Ford. Again, this was not written by Tennessee Ernie Ford. This was written by the guitar. The like. The guitar, this guitarist was so influential. He has a picking style named after, named him. after it's called him, exactly. Travis Picking. Yep. Uh, Merle Travis wrote this in 1947 yep. based on the experience of his coal mining family. Hmm. His brother, John Travis, wrote him a letter about the death of Ernie Pyle, a war correspondent who had just been killed covering combat. Hmm. John likened Pyle's job to a coal miner. It's like working in the coal mines. You load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Merle incorporated his brother's words into the Wow. Merle also remembered something his father once said about the practice of paying mm, miners yep. in scrip, uh, scrip credit vouchers that would only be used at the company-owned general store. He told a neighbor, I can't afford to die. I owe my soul to the general store. Exactly. Inspiring the lyrics, St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. I owe my soul to the company store. Uh, yeah, that was part of how you got paid. And yeah. it was kind of shifty because, like, who owned the company store but the company, the company. that you worked exactly. for? So it was like, you know, you were, you know what I mean? Like, uh, there's a there's a part, you know, talking about coal mines, there's a part of Bethel Park where I lived for one that'd point. Be like, that'd be like yeah, working for Amazon. Yeah. I mean, like, instead of paying you, you can, you can get Use a couple things. Use your to get some yeah. from, yeah, yeah. But I lived in Bethel Park here in Pennsylvania, just outside Pittsburgh, and it was a coal mining town. And I can remember walking around the neighborhoods, and they were just very, very humble homes because they were they belonged to coal miners. And we turn around a corner and go down the street, and there's this, up on the hill, there's this beautiful home. I'm like, and I said to my then girlfriend, I said, well, that, that house is kind of out of place. And she goes, do you realize what that is? And I'm like, no. She goes, back in the day, that was the company store. Uh, that was like, and you know, just like you said, they were paid in script and they had to go to that. It's now a home. They had turned it into a home. But the, that, that big building was a, the general store. I'm like, oh my God, how before, before the song was recorded, he sang it on his television. Ernie, Tennessee Ernie Ford sang on the television show and he got flooded with 1,200 requests to sing it again. So he's like, I think I have, I better record I think I got a hit. You know what I mean? People on TV yeah. want to hear it again and again. Exactly. All right, uh, 16, t- uh, uh, 16 tones. I gotta yes. change that. Sixteen tons. Sixteen tones. See, because it's that. Move on. What okay. do you got? All right. So my next one comes from Bo- as we say here, Butler. not Butler. Bob Seger. <laughs> Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Feel like a number. This is a great song. Bob Seger uh, <laughs> reacted ner- with nervous laughter when an interviewer surmised that he had grown up as a townie in a college town during a 1979 chat. But unlike other songwriters who had never really lived the life they wrote about, Seeger penned songs like Feel Like a Number with blue-collar experiences stretched back to his Ann Arbor, Michigan childhood. His father, who worked for Ford Motor Company, also instilled a love for music into his son, teaching him to play ukulele early on. Seeger never forgot his Michigan roots and continued to fuse his music with working-class ideas. Feels like a number stands as one is one of rock's best songs about punching the clock.
great song. I would love to just, again, mm-hmm. I could just sit here and listen to the, the like, Sigur was so big on, <clears throat> on Pittsburgh radio. Oh, again, yeah. working class night. I'm sure he was huge in Cleveland. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm sure, of course, it was huge in Detroit. Sure, like, any of these, any of these towns uh, where, yeah, where, hard working, where people were like yeah. working, you know, they were like, could totally relate to it. Um, the critics were terribly unkind, though, to him on a lot of his records. Yeah. Uh, what else uh, uh, we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to each do one more, and then we're going to go. call Sounds it a good. day. Sounds we're going to call it a day. So <clears throat> we can't do anything. I mean, there's a whole bunch on here. I can't, we're not going to get to. Uh, like taking care of business. Yeah, Allentown by Billy Joel. Sure, that's a that's a great one. Uh, I even threw on Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap. Sure, um, which is a kind of like it, it's about working but doing dirty de- deeds. <laughs> yeah, but I think that we have to end with my I'm going to end my part with the Beatles. A there Hard Day's Night, taken from an expression Ringo used to say in 1964 interview DJ, uh, with DJ Dave Hall. Ringo explained uh, we went to do a job and we'd work all day and we happened to work all night and I came up uh, still thinking it was day I suppose and I said <laughs> it's been a hard day and I looked around and saw it was dark I thought night so we came so it became a hard day's night there you go the more you know the more, the more you, you know. know John Lennon used the phrase a hard day's night in his in the book of his uh, in the book yeah, uh, in his own right before it was used as a song or, or a movie title <clears throat> Uh, Lennon wrote the song which contains the long repeating notes that are uncommon in pop music. Uh, even more unusual, Lennon sang it in the glissando. Um, well, we don't need to get into that. Albert no. Goldman wrote in his 1980 book, The Lives of John Lennon. The whole composition is written in mixolytic key. Okay. Uh, you don't need to get all into all that. No. It was the fir- it was the t- uh, it was the title song to the first of five Beatle movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, got two Oscar nominations. Interesting. Um, and if you don't know, it's the hard hard day's night. Yeah, by the, by the Beatles. But, yeah, come on, dude. Come yeah. on now. It's you know. Come on now. You know they was they were they were busting they were busting ass trying to make trying to make rock and roll history. You know and, and and it ain't they, easy. I think they did. Yeah, I think they did. And Mr. Pittsburgh, yeah, one more for me. All right, so you had mentioned Billy Joel's uh, Allentown. I'm also going to go with Billy Joel, and and I love this song because it, it seems to be he really puts the emotion into it, and it's the Down Easter Alexa. Uh, that's the song, uh, basically about a fisherman. Um, uh, the Down Easter is his uh, boat. It's uh, named the Alexa. Uh, Alexa is, I believe, his daughter, and that's yes. where he got the name from that, yes. But uh, it's so full of emotion. You can actually feel what these fishermen are going through. Well, I'm on the down Easter, Alexa, and I'm cruising through Black Island Sound. I have charted a course to the vineyard, but tonight I am man it by. I saw this was on the album Stormfront, mm-hmm. which was the tour that I saw. Yeah. And it was the very first concert ever at Starlake. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. I was there when they opened the doors. Very cool. Um, but, uh, man, yeah, you listen to the song, you're right there on that boat with him, and you, you feel the you know the frustration of trying to make a living. and Yeah, so that that's my last one. 
Um, do you have any music that you listened to this week that you would like yes. to discuss? Yes, 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 yes. While you're getting, why don't I'm you get, get done with that? I can tell you, get it. Okay, so the name of the band is Dead Sarah, S A R A. Okay. Have you ever heard of them? Mm, maybe. maybe. So I um uh, uh before I start work, I've made a little deal with my boss that I go and I, I clean the restaurant. And uh, while I do that, I'm all by myself. I put my headphones on and and I'll pick a band, ACDC or Foo Fighters or ABBA or something like that. And the other day, I, I had a hankering for the band from uh, I guess the early two thousands, uh, mid two thousands. Uh, called um, we're gonna go with Weatherman. If, we, can, if we, we, can. Can, we can find Weatherman. We can find it. Okay. We can. Find um, it. But anyway, so I I had a hankering for a band called Cherry Bomb, and uh, so I, I was listening to their album Stark, and of course, one with Spotify. Once the album's done, it'll play um, songs that are similar, and this song came up, and I'm like, holy shnikes. Yes, Dead Sarah, is an, Dead Sarah is an American hard rock band from L.A. consisting of Emily Armstrong, uh, Susie Medley, and Sean Friday, best known for their single, Weatherman, <clears throat> from their debut uh, album, Dead Sarah. Their most recent album, Ain't It Tragic, was released in September 21. Um, they've also, let me see, hold on, they've... Real quick, real quick, because I was, I was checking this shit out. <laughs> so they have, uh, they um, have recently, uh, as recently as a year ago, worked with Demi Lovato on her eighth studio album, Holy Fuck. Uh, they also joined the singer's concert tour, Holy Fuck Tour, supporting the album during the North American League. So they are still out there. They've been around since, what, 2000, uh, 2002, basically. Well, this is from about a year ago. This is called Gimme Gimme. Yeah. Well, she plays a Dan Electro, so they can't be any good. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. I'll 
Yeah, very wow, cool. Wow, really good band. Every, every now and again, Spotify will kick something my way, and I'll be like, oh my God, and I'll stop. Like, like I was mopping when I started when this song, and I put the <laughs> mop down and grabbed my phone and had to investigate. I'm like, yeah, this is my pick for this week. Well, we, we <laughs> talked about... Um, we were talking. I gave you. A, we're talking about um, Grooveyard, mm-hmm. and so this is a Grooveyard artist. This is uh, Tanya Kiki 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 D Kiki D. Okay, sure. Really good stuff. Great vocals. Um, yeah. Tanya D, mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Paradise, Grooveyard Record, I guess the name of the album. Song's called Escape. Mega Awesome Studio Disc by the Outstanding Female Rock Vocalist from Greece featuring Stavos Papa Papa De, That name sounds familiar. I know we uh, can't Papa pronounce yeah. Do Paulus, Papa De Paulus Yes. On guitar includes uh, 12 original songs, a phenomenal world class, powerful, dynamic, hard rock music that lands with strength and beauty, which showcases the amazing vocal talent, uh, complete with uh, badass, killer, heavy rock guitar, fueled edge that defines true musical excellence. In this fine tradition of uh, keeping uh, the rock alive, Tanya Kikidi has a rock to give us faith, hope, and love that true hard rock bliss exists in a world gone mad and to celebrate with us on this essential rock and roll paradise disc. Uh, Accomplished vocalist. uh, (laughs) You know, this is um, kind of daring uh, in the the bio here. Accomplished vocalist, a sexy hard rocking Greek metal queen. Sexy is like... Eh, mm, you know, on. like a lot of people. Do. Well, no, no, yeah, I, I love it, but I think a lot in today's in today's world, like a lot of people, kind of like you know, women don't want to be you right, know, right, right. No, we're musician. not objects. Yeah, you know what exactly, I mean? You yeah, know. Yeah. But it's great that they sort of embrace that here. That's Our cool. vocal passion rides high with precision, power, and melody, and a range that reaches for the sky. Um. So yeah. Um. Uh, check cool. them out. I have a link to the to them in uh, in the show notes. Uh, but again, they're Grooveyard artists. This is the kind of music. Um, mm-hmm. Gro- Grooveyard is, is a great label. Um, there's, you know, really. The, Greg Koch, I don't know if you remember know who he is. He's got a YouTube channel. Um, he's got, he's signed to, to uh, Grooveyard. A lot of, a lot of oh, great okay. artists are. Oh, okay. Um, Greg Koch, K O C K 
K-O-C-H. Coke? Koch? Koch, maybe? Something like that. K-O-C-H, Koch. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah like like Mayor Koch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Listen, and and we talked about this a a few months, a month or two ago on here. Um, uh, Paul Gilbert, the amazing um, rock guitarist, um, released an album as a a tribute to Ronnie James Dio. Mm -hmm. And while Paul does have a very good singing voice, it's an instrumental record. And... um, he he's a there's a great interview with him on YouTube. I want to make sure that I plug it properly. Okay. So I don't just say something. Um, it is on. Oh, it's on Sweet. It's from Sweetwater. Oh, okay. Okay. Again, Sweetwater. They, they're doing yeah, some good they, stuff. Yeah, they got some um, stuff on there. But that's an it's a 46 minute interview. So it's not like a couple of minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he goes into great detail on how he translated Ronnie James Dio's music and lyrics. Instrumentally, and how he made it really work. Um, it's really educational um, and really interesting. He's also Paul Gilbert is one of the most entertaining musicians yeah. just to listen to talk. He's very funny. Um, I mean, he throws Spinal Tap references out there like there every time, every chance he gets. <laughs> yes, but yes. yeah, he's an older guy, and he is from this area. He's from the Greensburg. He's from Greensburg, Pennsylvania. I think I knew that. So. Um, but yeah, check it out. I put a link to it in the show notes. It's with, with Sweetwater. Uh, they have just a very it's a great sit down. Paul plays guitar the whole way through it, and you know, just li- you could just listen to him. I could just I could listen to him play a freaking scale, and it would just blow yeah, you'd be like, he's, yeah. he's so good. He's just awesome. Great tone, great great phrasing, everything. So I wanted to pass that along to all y'all. If I may, can I say one more thing here? If you if, if yeah, we got folks. yeah, 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 guys. <coughs> you and the funny thing is, we, you, it's not. We haven't been on as long as we think. I'm for some reason today. Is, I am really tired, but but we, we, we've only gone a little this, over. I yeah. love this podcast tonight. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you had actually sent me the link to the YouTube, which is hilarious because uh, I subscribe to this guy's podcast. Oh on Spotify. yeah, I kind of what you're going to talk about. Go ahead, like, yeah, get weeks into that. ago in anticipation of this very thing. So. Uh, a fellow by the name of Chris Shiflet. I don't know if you folks know who he is. I do because he's one of the guitarists. I did not know who he was. And I, um, yeah. just before you, before you get it, say okay. that it was sure. a, a few weeks ago. Pre, um, Premier Guitar did um, Rig Rundown. Uh, I mean, the, yeah. And I'm oh like, yeah, I've seen that. And I'm one. going like, who's Chris Shitfit? Like I, Shif- I, I don't know. I, I who is this guy? Like. <laughs> I, I don't know this guy. You know what I mean? I could tell. I was looking at him like, he doesn't look like super young. He's not right, a man, but I'm right. like, you know what I mean? So I'm like, somebody the kids are into. And who does he play with? The fucking, the fucking Foo Fighters. The That's foo how I fighter. know him, right? He's a, he's a Foo Fighter. And I'm like, Lou, you moron. Yeah. And uh, he's great. And he's very it's, cool. He's very chill Very guy. cool. Very down to earth. And uh, about, a, about a month or two ago, he's like, hey, I'm going to have a podcast. This is the premise. I'm going to have guitarists come on and talk about some of their most influential, you know, their best known leads. And he gave a solos, list of for those of you who don't know what that means. But yeah, 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 solos. And uh, he gave a list of people. And the one guy I heard that just perked my ears up was Alex Lifeson. I'm like, I'm going to subscribe. And every day I would check to see if the, the uh, podcast had dropped. Weeks go by, nothing, and then all of a sudden, Lou sends me the um, the the link. Apparently, like he has YouTube, and I'd much rather watch the YouTube because you can watch the two of them interact, right? But uh, it's called Shred with Shifty. <laughs> 
and um, <laughs> shred with shifty. Yeah, shred with uh, shred with shifty, and um, the the podcast with him interviewing Alex Lifeson again. Two of my favorite bands, right? And they do the solo to Limelight, which is I think it's one of his best. I think it's one of Alex's best. So, it's one of his favorites, I know too. Yeah, oh yeah, it's so and and what and there's very interesting things in the I won't give away too much, but it wasn't Alex said that a lot of times the solos weren't just like turn the recorder on, I'll just play it. A lot of times it's composition it's just made up of different things and that's that's how this worked out but i think it was perfect it was perfect but he actually goes through and and it's funny watching uh chris try to play it initially without talking to alex and he he does an okay job but <laughs> he's no alex lifeson but yeah i was so happy when you sent me that link i'm like oh i sat there and watched the whole it's thing. really good if you haven't seen it, i put it in the inner circle uh yeah. group uh you should definitely watch it and it's just that, like because chris is like obviously a huge alex lifeson mm-hmm. fan yes you know and um it was just you know very cool um yes. and, and and a great guitarist uh, in his own right, oh, like yeah. very, 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 very good. And those two obviously know each other because you know Dave Grohl is a ma- massive mm-hmm. Rush fan, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. massive Rush fan, and uh, has played, you know, sat in with him and jammed with him and everything. So yes, um, exactly. Um, born on this day in music, Darren Malakian. Malakian. Yes, uh, Malakian. Sure. Oh, oh, okay. With heavy yes. metal band System of a Down. Yes. Jack Earns. Not no related to no relation to Jeremy Irons. No, maybe I don't know. But he worked with. He's a drummer. Played with Pearl Jam. So happy birthday! All right, there you go. Uh, Daniel De Los Reyes. Sure. uh, Grammy Award winning country music group Zach Brown Band. Happy birthday! Plays with Zach Brown. Oh, that's cool. Nigel Twist, the drummer for the Welsh rock band. They're not a lot of rock, famous rock bands from Wales, but the alarm is holding. There you go. They they hold it right in there. Uh, Keith uh, Levini. Uh, from Public Image, uh-huh. born in the day in 1957. Terry Chambers, sure, from XT, drummer for XTC. Drummer. Ricky Skaggs, a real oh, country musician, yeah. unlike Miranda fucking Lambert. Oh, uh, happy birthday, Ricky Skaggs. Oh my, C- Caesar Zuder Zuderville. Wow, look Zuderville. at that name. That's a good one. He's from Golden Earring. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Why? Radar love. I love you with my radar. Uh, Glenn Hughes, one of my favorite vocalists uh, from the. No, not that Glenn not Hughes, that apparently. Glenn Hughes. It's a this different is Glenn a Hughes. different one. This is from the Glenn Hughes. There's two. Sure. These guys should tour now. Yeah, the they should. people should hire Glenn Hughes to play bass. Well, we have them. a problem. <laughs> this Glenn Hughes, no longer with us. But go ahead. <laughs> This Glenn Hughes uh, Glenn, was with the, 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 the village the, people. The village people, Glenn yes, Hughes. Yes. Richard Branson, founder of Virgin ah, Records, born in 1950. Sure. Um, Wally Bryson from the Raspberries. Raspberries. You know, that was the word always like. I know. You say raspberry. Makes more sense. Should be R A Z berries. Not raspberries. R A Z B A R Y Y. Yeah, the raspberries. <laughs> Whatever. People. Phil Harris. Uh, oh, he just. Fall from the band Ace. Okay. Tim Lynch, American rock band The Flaming Groovies. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, born to stay in 1946. <laughs> Danny McCulloch. 
Sure. Uh, from the a- Aminals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A Robin McDonald played mm. with Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. Mm. Okay. Little right. Children oh, was their number one. seven song in 1964. Sure, sure. Martha Reeves. There you go. She was dancing in the streets. She sure was. But before that, she was born in 1941. Yes. yes. Lonnie Mack. Uh, oh, not enough talked go. about Lonnie Mack. Great nope. American nope. Uh, blues country rock guitarist. Uh Played a flying V. Yes, he did. That's the first thing to pop to my That's how I am. You know, you mentioned an artist, and I think of the equipment they use. He just um, just was always, I don't know, in my mind, every time I've ever saw him uh, photogra- uh, filmed or photographed or anything, he was mm-hmm. holding a flying V. Exactly. American saxophonist Mike Terry. Hmm. Played with Martha and the Vandellas. Uh, please word. remember the Funk Brothers, the Supremes. Brian Auger. Auger. Yes, yes. Uh, keyboardist. Born in, say, 1939. Dion DiMucci. Oh, Dion. Yeah, Run go. around Sue. There you big go. Hit, big hit, big hit. Later on, um, had, went and got into the folk genre and had a big hit with Abraham Martin and John. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah Ian yeah. Stewart. Yeah. Stewart. Um, Died of a heart attack. No, he he played keyboards for the Rolling Stones before he died of a heart attack. That was nice of him. Uh, John Funk Funch Funkus Funches Funch Funch Funch. Uh, singer for the Dells. Screaming Jay Hawkins was born. Ah, wow. Got born this he day in 1929. That's for sure. Earl T. Beal from mm. the Silhouettes, doo wop mm. R and B group, uh, born in say 1924. Speaking of Stewart, so yes. I hadn't talked to Stu in a, my former roommate in a while. Mm-hmm. How's Stu doing? So he call, oh, this is hilarious. So oh he my. called me three times on Sunday. Oh, my. And I'm like, man, like, what is going on here? So the first two times... Press pause. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting I've been wanting to yawn for an hour. I've been holding a yawn for an hour. I wow, like that's... Uh, ooh. Um, it's not because the podcast is boring. I'm just pooped. Yeah. Uh, but anyways... Because um, we're working, so he, man. He calls me... He called three times on on Sunday, and uh-huh. so the first two times I was not able to take the call. Right, I was doing sure. Um, so so I was driving home, and when he called, and a f- the third time, and I answered, and here's what the first words out of his mouth. Okay. Hi, is this the? <laughs> oh no! Is this the gay man's crisis hotline? <laughs> has not changed and now i loved it we and then it was we we talked for about 15 minutes not once did we talk about any real it was this banter back and, back forth, and forth about like the gay yeah. man's crisis hotline and That's i was great. like you know we, we, we just went back and forth we just all we did was laugh and crack each other up for about 15 minutes he wanted to come over but um i was had plans and i was getting ready to was coming home then picking somebody up and yeah. going back out again but um oh, till we get together great. but that's lovely. Um, yeah, yeah. So when I when I saw, I meant to mention that when I saw Ian Stewart, and also Stu is the biggest Rolling Stones fan I've yes, ever met. Yes, he is in my life. He like loves absolutely everything that they ever did. You know, all things Stones. Um, you know, I was um, um, gonna be jamming with a band mm-hmm. soon, and I was looking at their set list. And the the song lit up by Buck Cherry. Okay. Do you know the song? I know it. Yes. Okay. And that uh, that was Buck Cherry's like first single. Yeah. 
And I remember when that song came out, and it was it was in the '90s. And I remember like playing that for the guy for for uh, the guys in Love and Ruins. And you know, we were all kind of geeking out over how like, wow, it sounds like real rock and roll. Like it doesn't mm-hmm, sound mm-hmm. like th- this post grunge music that's out or new metal or anything like that. And um, you know, they just could not. They didn't break. Um, and here's why I think they didn't break. Um, I think what held them back. This is going to sound funny, but here, you know, hear me out. Okay. I think what held them back was the Black Crows. Um, oh yeah. I think that at the time, because that post grunge stuff was mm-hmm, so big mm-hmm. on the radio at the time, um, and new metal, and they were kind of playing like, kind of like they were kind of like a heavier Black Crows right, in a way, right. you know, Black Crows uh, 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 and um. Guns and Roses. I think that the radio was like we we can't. We only have so much room, room to play. Yeah, you know what I mean yeah. for that. You know, most of this music is over here, and we have a couple of bands doing this, but we really can't fit another one in. Yeah. And it really wasn't until the two thousands when they came out with Crazy Bitch, right? Where like that song was irrepressible. Oh yeah, That's, it became an yeah. instant yes. classic. Yes. Um. So. You know, you know, they just had. It's not that they're lit up. It's an awesome song. I had that on playlists for years. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would anytime I got it, whatever the streaming platform was. You know, for, it was Kazaa, and then it was Rhapsody, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then it became Mog, yeah. and whatever. And then eventually on Spotify, like it's literally. I always made sure that I that went onto that. the playlist because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. such a such a kick ass jam. Um, but that's a kind of funny phenomenon how certain bands like they just they couldn't and and so it's a, I think what it says is that like it isn't really a, when it comes to that type of success mm-hmm. it isn't really about how popular you are or if the radio will play you or not because we know that there are tons of bands that just they just don't get right. that break yeah you know yeah. do you remember the band Cry of Love no um I bet you will if I play you the song. Okay. This was another band. Um, this was another band that was Black Crows esque. Okay. I, I bought. I, I have. I think the first two albums. This isn't the song. That's not the song. Yeah, it is. Okay, this is one of the thing. One, of, this is on like it'll get played on DV. You'll play like on a Deep Cuts weekend okay. or something like that. But this is a band that came out in the '90s, kick ass band. Mm-hmm. Let's get to the the meat and the potatoes. So in that kind of blues rock vein, uh, mm-hmm. uh, remind me a little bit of Bad Company. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I mean, they kind of, they kind of yeah. have that. They kind of have the thing going. Um, killer musicians, but they just, you know, they broke, but they. They, they, yeah. they couldn't quite couldn't get, eh. yeah. and they were a favorite at like festivals and stuff like that mm-hmm. but they just couldn't eat that right. thing onto the radio yeah you know what i mean yeah. um great band though if you get a chance uh go back and listen to some cry, okay, of, cool. love. cry, of, love. cry of love all right guys that's pretty much it for um the ludini rock and roll circus this yes. week it was a fun show we uh Hit a bunch of different topics. What was what, what was your favorite part of the show tonight, Mr. Pittsburgh? Um, I think just uh, and it, it, it's talking about the 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 songs about work because they were, they were all so relatable. And I remember hearing the songs when they first came out, and now that we are working, now, <laughs> they resonate so much more too. So it was yeah. like you know telling the kids, "This is what your life's going to be." Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh man, uh, had a good time tonight as always. Guys, go to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus dot com and uh, check out all the fun stuff we have there, including um, our YouTube archive uh, and merchandise, all kind of fun stuff. So check that out. Ludini Rock and Roll Circus dot com, Radio dot com is where you download that free app where you can hear tons of great uh, music programming twenty four seven. Check that out. Radio dot com and Wolf's Customs. Check them out. For custom artwork done on your musical instruments. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out. Mr. Pittsburgh, anything else you want to add before we go? Nope. Just uh, always a pleasure to be here. All right, guys, have a great week. We'll catch you all in the next Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. See ya.